yesterday afternoon, um, sort of towards the evening, I took five teenage boys to the cinema in Crawley to see the new Bond film, No Time to Die. And while awaiting the classic opening of the walk onto screen of Daniel Craig in a tuxedo, supposedly seen through a rifled barrel of a gun, we, along with the rest of the audience, were uh, subject to 30 minutes of trailers and adverts. You know, it's a long film, but we sat through that bit first. One of these was for an incredibly well-known internet search engine, who in promoting itself said how good it was to ask questions and tried to say that by searching for a solution, you can learn, grow and help others. I'm sure those with experience in life and certainly in most workplaces, particularly in education, but not limited to that, would encourage the asking of questions so that new things are discovered or learned to be done right. Jesus was known as a rabbi, a teacher. And so, of course, he would be asked questions by his students, the disciples, but by others too. It's worth noting, though, who the people are that come to Jesus at the start of the passage. The Pharisees, they're the enforcers of the biblical law. They know it inside and out. So they are not asking a question so that they may learn or grow. The passage says they come to test Jesus. Not test as in see how academically astute he may be, and whether he should receive a diploma in the topic of marriage and divorce. The, the, there's a completely different thing going on here, isn't there? They've come to test, as in be a complete pain, to test his patience. Mark, the recorder of this gospel, wants us to notice the difference between these Pharisees that come and test the patience and children who just want to be there. And which attitude it is that we are to have. The thrust of this passage is not the teaching on marriage and divorce. Nor does this passage in itself teach against same-sex unions as it's sometimes used. You need to look elsewhere for things for that. But it is about the relationship people have with God. It is true, however, that there is teaching in there related to interhuman relationships. And despite yesterday being the 17th anniversary of my ordination, I would have to confess it's not an area that I've often preached on. But also it'd be wrong for me to simply pretend it isn't there. The first lesson, perhaps, is a message that Jesus does not ride roughshod over the traditional understanding of the Mosaic law. He never says that we are free to do as we please. Rather, he says we are free, but there might be consequences to our actions. 
the law is fulfilled in Christ, who exposes it as sometimes not quite the full story of God's intention. The Pharisees ask about divorce. They ask about a negative situation, a place that nobody really wants to get to in life. No one marries with the point of heading to that position of being divorced. Why do the Pharisees not come asking about blessing others? Why do the Pharisees not come and ask about how to encourage, about how to reveal God's love? Why do they pick such a thorny subject? Their hearts are hard and they ask in a public forum about something they think they understand and they think they know the answer to. They do it because they want to see the questioned man fail. What about us in our seeking of the kingdom? Do we approach church life with hard hearts and cause pain? Or are we more gentle? Within the church, are we point scorers or relationship builders? Do we always have love for others as our response or as our question, as the point of what we're doing? And that's the tricky thing that's going on here, not the topic in itself. Jesus makes clear that it, it is God's intention that marriage is lifelong, from the wedding day until death we do part. But he also makes it clear that there's that element of Mosaic law that allows divorce, that allows separation, that is written in Deuteronomy 24. God's laws recognise that the world is a fallen place, and so it's not always tidy in families. Scripture allowed a man to, if the woman has, it says back in Deuteronomy, something indecent about her. It suggests there might have already been adultery. Jesus actually extends that law, which was only applicable to men, by saying that women could divorce their husbands, presumably on similar grounds. The gospel of Jesus pushes the boundary of what first century society thought was reasonable. Women didn't have much in their way of rights, but God made male and female both in his image and in Christ gives them equality. And that misogyny exists 2000 years later in society and in churches is against God's will. That's against God's chosen plan. Doing things that are not loving and kind are not in God's chosen plan. When a couple marry, they make solemn vows to each other. But what if those promises of eligibility or what they are as a person aren't right? What if the person you understand that person to be is someone that they aren't? 
in UK law, certain things make a marriage void and other conditions could lead to an annulment. These are separate from the idea of divorce. They, they have effectively an understanding that the marriage should never have happened. It's as if it didn't take place. Theologically, we might even have a broader view of what such conditions may be, and that matters of deception or abuse in a marriage change our understanding of the nature of whether that relationship is good in God's eyes, and whether a concept of jubilee, an end to what was and a new beginning for the individuals in a different matter, is appropriate. Which leads us into the second part of the passage. And words that I often use when we have a new beginning here, a child's dedication service. It's usually Mark that I turn to at that time. And the children in Mark's gospel are brought forth for blessing. And they're a completely different type of person from the Pharisee. The man of law has wealth and status. The child would have been overlooked, has no money, has no place in the society, no voice. And that concept didn't really start to change until about 200 years ago. The disciples are so often wrong in the things that they do. They don't see the real idea of what the Christ's kingdom is intended to be. Just as whether we are male or female offers no barrier, nor does age, all are welcome. Who wants children hanging about, making sound, not doing what I would do? The answer is Jesus. The children and their parents are not challenging Jesus's authority as the Pharisees did, but they are embracing it and asking for blessing. And it's right that that blessing comes for God's hand to be upon them. It truly is an upside down and back to front world in the kingdom of God. It belongs to those who simply come, not the rich, the powerful, but the meek. When we go about making issues, we are Pharisees. When we simply come before God, bringing him praise, we have the children to whom the kingdom belongs. It is, of course, right to ask questions and explore issues, and in so doing, we may grow. But let us think of why and how we ask them. Is it truly in love that we do it? Is it in keeping with scripture, however much we think we know the scriptures? Or is our understanding of scripture sometimes skewed by what Pharisees would have us think? Let us search for the right answers in our life. Let us search not by using Google, but by truly seeking the love of Jesus in our hearts. Amen.